Welcome to AKA Pads Audio Audacity Podcast. I'm Peter A. DeLuca, also known as AKA Pad. We're talking Dark Phoenix today, but not exactly, we're not talking about the movie. We're getting into something a little bit deeper. So let's just hit that intro and get to it. and happy friday thank you for joining me and uh a, a big special announcement today are you ready for it the sleeper has awoken because during this this gestation period of the podcast and just the way i uh, i i've i pre-recorded so much that i haven't even like released it yet <laughs> it's it's actually killing me because it's just i just suck up space on all my hard drives and on my computer, and I'm not using the material I'm producing because I'm, I'm just not happy with it. And then Godzilla comes out, Godzilla King of Monsters. And then we have this entire collider controversy with Galaxy's Edge, and now we have Dark Phoenix. And the sleeper has awoken. This is a quote from one of my all-time favorite novels, just books in general, Dune. Now, the Dune arc... <laughs> all books and the Brian Haberlin, um, yeah, we, 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 we can debate that. But the first Dune book is so significant in my eyes. Uh, it's sorry about that. I had a quick phone call, but yeah, uh, the Dune book itself is so significant to me that I, whenever I pick it up to read it, and I'm all for reading books more than once, multiple times, as, as much as you feel like to, um, that, you know, as many times that you feel like you have to connect to the material, I am all for that practice. I believe one of the biggest misconceptions we have when it comes to oneself and self-education is that people believe that they have to read a book and they can only read a book one time. And that one time, they have to read it uh, cover to cover, up and down, and not miss a single word. No. <laughs> books literally i'm not joking there are friends and they're they they should be held and honored and cherished and you sh- you should be upset if like you know one of your favorite books or even one of your favorite editions of one of your books goes missing you know like even one with sentimental value i, I think that the biggest thing of oh excuse me a friend can do to another friend yeah, is to be bestow the wisdom of one book to to him or her. Meaning that if like there's so much knowledge and wisdom that you can gain from some of these books, and to pass it on to someone is one of the most significant things you can do as a human being. But <laughs> let's let, let's get into this fire now that is lit underneath my belly because. I'm just, I'm truly taken aback at this uh, Christian uh, Harloff situation from Collider. Now, if you don't know what Collider is, Collider is this conglomerate of geek culture, geek commentary. Uh, they they cornered the Star Wars conversation with this uh, weekly show called The Jedi Council. And, uh, you know, like production quality, uh, programming, content... Uh, they're great, fantastic. Uh, one of the, the hosts and producers, and you know, maybe producer of that show, this guy, uh, Christian Hardoff, he sounds off. He he 
he just voices his displeasure of not being invited to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, uh, which is the, the Anaheim, California theme park, the biggest Walt Disney expansion, Walt Disney theme park expansion on record. And he, he, he's upset that he's not there to cover it, that he's not there as like a front row guest. And he feels like he's uh, put enough skin in the game, uh, enough time into Star Wars to, to get this. And he kind of has a meltdown on air uh, to the point that the uh, producer steps in and it's just like, no. Like, it, like you're, you're a hired gun, you're a hired hand. Uh, some of us already went there. We were invited and, you know, we, we got coverage. We got some great interviews. Uh, we, we need you, uh, Christian, to, you know, be a professional, do your job and cover this. And he just refuses. So that uh, that's one. That's almost like strike one. Strike two is last week's Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, KOM, <laughs> as uh, you know the Twitter eyes are abbreviating it. And so this uh, boom, like movie comes out, uh, doesn't even feel like it has much of a of a chance. It doesn't feel like it has much of a opportunity. Okay, so I am so sorry. Audio issues all over the place. <laughs> Not a good morning to record, but Godzilla, King of Monsters, comes out, and it's immediately raked through the coals, and it's attacked for these platitude ideas. Platitude ideas. Uh, not saying that there's, like, you know, like, uh, like evidence behind these or, or a feeling behind these, but I will say this. Even the most horrendous movie... And I think these Hollywood blockbusters are not that. I'm t- you know talking Transformers, Face and Furious, uh, Mission Impossible. They're they're not that. Meaning that you you have to analyze them and you have to watch them more than once. And and knee jerk reactions are are meaningless because these movies are meant to be large and diverse and hit a very 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 large audience. And they have big plot threads, multiple subplots, and they have a long arc. And by long arc, I mean you have a time investment in in so many of these movies now because running two hours plus is just standard now. You know, people want two hours 19, two hours and 20. It's just standard. To absorb it and to critique it and to like soak it into to that level... Uh, like first time viewing, I'm telling you, it's tough and it's not easy. And the, and and, the, and there's so many people out there that just want to act like this is the, uh, you know, like I'm sorry, I'm playing with with my sound here real quick. <laughs> here we go, sound wave, sound wave, sound wave. Okay, looking good. There's so many of these people that they act like that they're on a high horse and they know more than you. And they can use these platitudes, and you, the consumer, are you're, you're just going to lap it up. You're you're just going to say, "Give me more, sir. I trust you. I trust your opinion." Now, these critics, uh, you know, and they're they're now shills. See, the the collider incident has exposed the shills. These shills, they have a benefit to. Uh, collude uh, they work within a little bit of a whisper network but they have a benefit 
to unify their voice and to have a, uh, a singularity when it comes to that because they know most likely that when you don't when they trash something they're going to get more views they're they're going to get more traction uh the next suggested video is going to be the next reviewer trashing it and you know what you as an audience member you get a little bit of a dopamine drip when when things are trashed and you it's it's the 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 reality television constant drama like producer programmer effect and it's now affecting our our, our very um like it, it's 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 affecting our very uh perception like the way how we look at film the 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 way how we we you know we balance it being you know like how much of it is is art and how much of it is you know is commerce and they they don't care like they they don't approach it from that angle they just all want to have the same opinion uh and they they want early viewings they want early showings and they want to be a part of the group that sees these things early now i don't understand the need to see films early if your opinion matters you know if you have a true deep down voice in your opinion and it's coming from a place of analysis and it's coming from a place of knowing the time that the movie exists in and 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 you know what else that movie's rolling around in like culturally now it's if you come with that angle you you're you're doing uh, you're doing the benefit you're doing the, the film review you're doing the analysis your opinion by itself will be superior uh, just off of the existence of those 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 barriers or those um the, that criteria now now we're getting into the dark phoenix who's it simon kinsberg alan ginsberg Let, let's see simon kinberg writer director first time director hell of a movie to be a first-time director on yeah usually the hollywood method would be uh you know like we're, we're going to give you a couple low-hanging fruities or you're gonna have to go off on your own and finance your own movie and you know j just to kind of show us you 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 know what's happening now this guy's been a producer he's been a writer for a long time he's been on sets he knows the deal sure like you know he um yeah okay like you 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 you've been in the game long enough you've been around long enough rock and roll and uh you know we we like your script and, and let's rock and roll so <laughs> he's depicting the dark phoenix saga which is easily the top three superhero stories probably the best superhero team story ever uh you know it, it, overall like it stretched um you know, it stretched, I, I want to say, like, five years within X-Men continuity to go from Phoenix to Dark Phoenix. Everyone's obsessed with Dark Phoenix. And this is when Jean Grey gets, uh, she gets held by this, uh, like, supernatural cosmic force that just manipulates her and, and her psyche cracks and fractures. And, and the Dark Phoenix saga itself it's space opera it's psychological it's love it's war it's it's loss you know like every single one of the x-men just have like big magnificent moments like you know like posterized type moments 
and it's it's just a saga that just it came together at the right time and just it's just stacked but everyone's obsessed with the dark phoenix part they're not very much into the phoenix part you know the the awakening of gene gray now kinsberg has done this before he has introduced the phoenix idea in x-men the last stand a movie i wholeheartedly back uh in in so many ways so many ways it's it's probably the best movie to to, to come out of the writer's strike uh <laughs> and hey, look, i like brett ratner uh he came in late on that movie and he he got it done he got it done on time i still love the advertising campaign for for x-men 3 and you know, it's less of a movie on the Dark Phoenix than, or a commentary on it, but it, 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 than it is on some of these other ideas. But we're, we're not going to get into that. But he does touch on the Dark Phoenix when he wrote X-Men The Last Stand. Now he's back. You know, like, uh, Kinsberg now is doing another analysis. Okay? We haven't really seen this. Okay? This is, this is where it's very unique. We haven't seen... Uh, an idea approached uh, more than one time by a single artist uh, to figure out what 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 else is there. Like yeah, you know, like what's what's behind uh, the the imagery we've all seen before. Like what's what's really like is there a conversation and uh, like a conversational uh, baseline? You know, like what's what's some of the, the emotional membrane that that is is holding this stuff together. Now, you know, like it's it's great. It's and and to me, that that's what makes me drawn to uh, the Dark Phoenix. Period. Okay, because I I really want to see like this dude got another chance, spent two hundred million dollars, got another shot at this idea that you know, and uh, sitting down. Before I did this, I was thinking, like, you know, really, like, I should see what's on YouTube about him. I should read some interviews and, and, and try and dig around to see if if he has, like, this outside commentary that complements uh, this effort of his. And, you know, like, what's, what's the desire, like, also? I get it. The studio might want the Dark Phoenix. But if you're in a position to direct an X-Men movie... That means that, uh, you know, you know there's going to be another option for you to direct something soon because uh, you're, you're just in that um, circle, okay? But that's not the case. No one's talking about that. No one is even connecting those dots when it, come, when it comes to discussing Dark Phoenix. And why is that? Because it's easy to trash. Say it with me, everyone. It is easy to trash the movie. It's easy to act like that the special effects don't look special effect enough. Yeah, we've got an airplane stretching over. <laughs> uh, it, you know, we can talk about uh, this and we can talk about that. And look, go to YouTube yourself and listen to some of the initial reviews. And, and you tell me there's no collusion because every single one of these people, every single one of these quote unquote influencers... Uh, all say the same freaking thing. And they live in different parts of the uh, country. And they've seen the movie at different times. Okay? If, 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 it's, if there's no collusion, if it's not like a little bit of a whisper network, then how's that possible? I don't buy it. 
So the point of this conversation that I'm having with you is that going to see the Dark Phoenix this weekend, seeing it now, buying the tickets of Fandango as you hear my voice, all of this, you can vote against this practice by seeing the Dark Phoenix this weekend. And you can like it and you can not. Now, it's almost like the general practice is, okay, don't listen to critics, okay? Uh, if you're going to see a movie, listen to your friends. And then, if you're going to like the movie, listen to yourself. I trust a friend's opinion to see something over, over any online critic. Because that's who the movie's made for. I'm sorry, critic, the movie's not made for you. Sorry, shill, the movie's not made for you. None of this is made for you. This is made so we can make more money, stay in business, and maybe once in a while crank out an incredible movie that is financed from movies like The Dark Phoenix when they're successful. This is the cycle. And allowing outside opinion to penetrate uh, our thought process, uh, even our emotions, with people we've never met, people we really have no connection to. But they're kind of spewing hatred. Are they spewing lies? Yeah, potentially. But they're, they're spreading bad news. They're spreading a bad word. You don't need that to make an opinion. The movie doesn't cost too much. You can go see the movie. You'll make your own choice. Okay, because seeing the Dark Phoenix is a vote against the shills. And the Dark Phoenix doing well. You know, Godzilla did, did 50 million. You know, w w without the shill attack, might have done 65. Might have done 12 million more, 15 million more. You know, and even to the point of Godzilla and the X-Men movies. Look, look, <coughs> I will say this. The Godzilla cinematic universe is freaking working. How about that? The X-Men, this reboot that we're dealing with. Greatest reboot in Hollywood history right now. We got First Class, Days of Future, Apocalypse, and Dark Phoenix. That's four movies. These are four movies you can just watch together. And you can string them together. You can, you can watch them for 10 hours straight. Can you watch... The four Avengers movies in that fashion. What, there is no connective tissue. You're confused. You're immediately conf confused when you watch Infinity War. That's two out of four. You can't. You can't do it. You can do it with the X-Men though. Similar characters, ideas, concepts. Sure. Is there an X-Men in the X-Men movies? There is not. Which is amazing that they film so so many hours of content with with this idea of what the X Men represent and who they are and their struggles. Okay, it's, it's just amazing in my eyes. If this is the end of this run of X Men movies, which um, you know the box office is going to dictate that because Disney doesn't want to like you know Disney rather just continue a good money making thing. They'd rather do that. They don't want to restart the X-Men. Okay? Because there is a huge investment 
that everyone has poured into the X-Men. And the X-Men is somewhat in people's gray matters. It, it's, it's in people's brains the same as Pepsi is. When you think of soda, you think of Pepsi or Coke. When you think of superheroes, the X-Men are one of them. There's a huge investment here. I don't see Disney just wanting to toss that away. Uh, no, no, no. If the movie is successful, we will see more of this. If it's not, we won't see the X-Men for a very long time. And when we see them, we just might be over it. Cause they sure as hell isn't doing anything within the, the comics. The X-Men comics are, are deader than disco. They're dead. So the actual wealth and the freshness and the importance of the X-Men franchise that has been with people now for a long time. It's all dependent on on shills and what shills think and all that effort is just going to get washed away just blown off and it's just not right i'm going to go see x-men dark phoenix this weekend and and i'm voting with my dollar i'm voting against the shills and i'm going to form my own opinion and i have social media to voice it and i can like it and i cannot but guess what though i'm making my own choice that's it, everyone. AKA Pad Audio Audacity, episode 203. I love you all. Have a great weekend. Rock and roll. Let's do this. And do me a favor. I get it. We're talking X-Men. But go out there and create something new for me. Because I'm doing it. I'm at the drawing table a lot. If you want to see what I'm doing at the drawing table, hit me up. Instagram, AKA Pad 13. All kinds of cool new things, too, on my Twitter aka pad and yes i have an upcoming indiegogo which is a fresh new comic book with new characters new designs and the concept a concept that oh i love it we'll talk more about that later but have a good weekend and let's do this thank you